that we love yeah. being playful and, and comedy and whatever. And so I used AI. I grabbed all your data from like the <laughs> website, exactly oh, yeah. what to say. I, I researched <laughs> you and I told AI to come up with a cool introduction for me. So I'm going to do it, but I'm also going to do it in like a super weird way. So <laughs> okay. welcome to the philosophy podcast where we dive into the art of transformative communication, forging meaningful connections and finding success through genuine interactions. I'm your host, Carlos Garcia. And today we have a special guest with us, a true expert in the field. Kevin Boyle has been integral part of the community and real estate. And as a broker, not only does he know the areas inside out, he has a vast network of connections that can help you discover your dream home, the perfect vacation property or lucrative rental opportunity. But Kevin is much more than a real estate agent. He's a speaker, coach, business consultant, and an exactly what to say certified guide. He's passionate about the power of transformative communication, and he's here to share his insights with us today. Kevin believes that a true success isn't about being the brightest mind in the room. It's about fostering genuine connections. He's known for his engaging keynote speeches, thought-provoking podcast dialogues, and immersive virtual training sessions. And guess what? He's also a passionate advocate of comedy and experience in improv and stand-up comedy. In today's episode, we'll explore how to strategically leverage humor and strengthen relationships to defuse high-stakes conversations. How did I do? <laughs> <laughs> I want that recorded, and I want that to be my like walk-up with a little bit of like NBA jams. Going on the background, or the Chicago Bulls walk-up music. Oh man, that was awesome! AI, good old AI. The AI, the power of AI, just came through me. You know, there's some there's some stuff on the internet, so I'm glad that there wasn't too much of some random stuff that maybe I've done over the years comes up. Yeah, I told AI to leave all that all that part out. Yeah, all the negative things. Just kidding. So hey, man. So I'd like to kick it off. I know that we we probably built our bond very fast. I mean, it, virtually first, you know, through this program that we did together. Yep. Um, and of course, the moment I saw you just always being like cracking the the great jokes and like in the right moments and timing. And I'm just such a fan and such a nerd about it. And then, you know, I inserted wherever I could because I didn't want to steal the spotlight. But <laughs> in terms of comedy, I was curious. I don't think I ever asked you this. It's like, what's what was your background of how you got into comedy? Oh man. Uh, so I didn't really get into comedy until my senior year of high school, but the way that I got intro to it is that my mom is naturally funny. My mom is like a female Bob Newhart. So she's got this really dry wit around, uh, this just kind of dry personality, super caring person, but very sensitive, very empathetic. But, uh, yeah, she can just, I mean, she can carve right through you with like one or two comments and she's just, boom she wins uh but i remember like when i was a kid we used to like we'd tell my brother we were watching his little league baseball game but we were in one of those you know those mark three vans with the ladder on the back and the tv with the vcr and we'd be in we'd be in the van like rolled up to the baseball field and we'd be watching like a steve martin special or a bob cosby or bill cosby god rest his soul right uh bob newhart all these comedians uh, and we would just watch, we'd watch their stand up. And, uh, it wasn't until I was a senior in high school that I had a teacher tell me that I was naturally funny and I could do it. I could do it for a living. And that's kind of where I got into it, but I, it all comes from my mom. It comes from that natural kind of ability that my mom gave me. That's cool. It's like, you grew up in a environment where you can laugh off things and as did I, you know, and like my yeah. family, I feel like could be a skit show, you know, like everyone's a different <laughs> character of the skit show. Right. I don't know if I told you this with my dad is is really funny and random and it's just always so curious about things and very unpredictable right. but all of it is like innocent and just hilarious where where these things come from and so 
he's also able to laugh off, you know, his own, you know, imperfections, right? And so it just allowed us to create such an environment of like no judgment, you know, find the humor right. in the things at the right times. And naturally, I guess for you, as it probably was for me, it's like we kept it alive in our profession, which kind of leads me to the next question, which I'm curious about. It's like how knowing that you like to do this for fun, in some cases you did it as a as a professional thing, but you also do this in your professional life. You have professional conversations, but you find a way to blend in humor with it. So I'm curious to to hear from you, like, how do you leverage it for building relationships and sales conversations? Yeah, I mean, I think I think humor is one of those things that is a natural ability, right? I think being funny, I mean, you can learn how to be funny in a lot of ways. There's a lot of different methods. But, you know, I say this humbly that, I mean, I can't do math. I can't do science. I didn't get the growth spurt. Um, I, I wit and humor is just natural for me. It's always come natural. I can I can be the funniest person in the room in 30 seconds. Um but it comes from observation. It comes from gathering evidence and truths about the people that are around you, being able to recognize when there's tension or awkwardness and either helping to leverage that or helping to try to get rid of it. Um, but I've just always been able to, to take humor and then put it to, as a tool to use. And a lot of the times it's to disarm people, right? I mean, I think people yeah. come with ego, people come with preconceived notions of, who you are, who other people are, what the situation is. I mean, in, in any situation, right? I mean, it could be high stakes, life or death. It can be um, negotiations. It can be family. It can be whatever. And it's like being able to get your point across either on the front or the back end using humor as a way to let people's guards down or get people to de-escalate an emotion. So, I mean, I use it every single day in all different kinds of application, but I'm, I've also been able to use it in situations that probably would have gone sideways if I wasn't able to, yeah. you know, know how to read something really quickly. And, and, and wit is, you know, obviously something, wit is knowing something so well that you're able to make fun of it. it might take a step back, you know, and somebody said that sarcasm is like the weakest like form of a personality. I, I think it's the opposite, right? I mean, I think if you're sarcastic, I think you you know and understand something so well that you can just like go right at it. So I use that stuff all the time. I try to use it for good, but it's, that's, that's where I use it in, in professional yeah. settings a lot. And timing and delivery is everything too, right? Like you can yeah. think of the funny thing, you could say the funny thing, but if you don't say it in the right time and you don't deliver it the right way, it may not land. Yep. You know? And so sometimes conviction and timing and, and delivery, but you know, I also think that, having the ability to just kind of laugh at yourself or just laugh at a situation right. when appropriate makes it just pleasant, you know, for, yeah. for you, like for me, it would just be pleasant to work with you. Cause I know that when something doesn't need to be as serious, we could just kind of laugh it off. But you also have this ability that I, in a short time that I've been observing is you have this ability to switch it. Uh, you could mm -hmm. switch when to be funny, when to be vulnerable, yep. when to be serious. And I think there's, it's what we're not talking about today, it's like you have to use humor in every conversation. It's just another element or another color in, you know, of you yourself, a side of yourself that you can share so that you can be more authentic in conversations and find ways to connect differently with uh, uh, with your clients, with people. Right. I mean, I, and I and I think that, you know, humor is one of those tools that, you know, it could really it could go the wrong way. Right. I mean, people can be inappropriate. People can not know when is the right timing. And I think 
you know, humor is one of those things where it's like, I kind of liken it to musicians, right? The <laughs> how to learn guitar on, uh, you know, CD or through an app or something like that for musicians has to be like, what are we talking about? Are we like, this is something, if you're a musician, you pick up a guitar, you play a few chords, you know how to get through a song, you can sight read, or you can listen, you know, whatever it is. It's the same way with humor for me. Like I, I can hear a metronome in my head when I talk, right? I mean, I have like how my pauses hit, like when I'm in a professional setting, like I know if I'm at two, four, or I'm at four, four, or whatever it is. And it's intentional only because it's something that I know is what works, right? I mean, filling, filling silences and, and all that type of stuff and, and knowing when to insert yourself into the situation. I also think that it's just humor is one of those things that if placed with the right set of communication skills can be kind of the X factor that gets you ahead, right? I mean, uh, I wasn't a very optimistic person a couple of years ago. I was very pessimistic, very jaded, and my humor reflected that, right? I mean, the humor is that mm. super ego that, like, I'm just going to say this and it's going to come across. And it was a lot of, like, truth and jest, you know, and that's never a good feeling. But now that I felt more optimistic through better communication, better training, better self-talk, it's put me in a place where, like, humor is, like, I mean, it's it's that secret trick play in the NFL that people are like, how did they even pull that off, you know? And and it's because I, I see the hope and I see the optimism in situations more. And humor is a, is a great amplifier of that. Yeah. I like that you navigated that <clears throat> humor has served you both for good and for bad. And, um, you know, the, the path of discovery that you have to go through so that you can use it to do good with it. I think it's great, kind of like the hero's journey, right? Like you, you become the victim of a situation or you could become the villain of it or you could choose to be the hero or the guy. Right. Um, and, and pain sort of being the source of that. Um, but one thing I wanted to to kind of ask, it's more of like anecdotal. Is there a, an example of a situation maybe that because you were able to do something funny, it kind of helped the relationship or maybe the opposite? Is there something that you did that hurt the relationship that taught you never, never doing that again? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's been plenty, plenty of situations that I know that humor hasn't served me well. And and I'm one of those people because I that I did comedy professionally. I'm, I'm a big I mean, if you know me, I talk about, you know, pegs in the board gigs like I just got to I'm ready for the next one. Like if I mess up, I'm ready for the next play. It is what it is, you know, like process it and move on. You're never going to bat a thousand. So I know that there's been plenty of situations that um, humor didn't serve me. And a lot of the times you read it and you're able to kind of go back and maybe have a conversation with somebody and say, hey, listen, I didn't mean to, you know, I wasn't trying to poke fun at you or something like that. And and a lot of the times it's nothing serious. I, I think that from a humor standpoint, for me, it served me well. It serves me well all of the time you know, in a, in a professional setting. I don't know if I can rem remember like a certain moment that it's, it's worked specifically well. Um, I do know that I, I have a prop, um, cause I read our notes, our show notes, the fres fresca. And, uh, I, re <laughs> I remember I was in kind of like a little bit of a high stakes negotiation with a potential client. And we were talking about like, you know, whether to list or not to list in real estate. And I remember, <laughs> in the middle of this very serious conversation, I cracked open a Fresca, which I'd gotten them to like Fresca, like over the time of me knowing them. And I just thought to myself, like, no serious negotiator has ever been like, Oh, thank God for Fresca. But I was like, 
At least we've got Fresca. And I like in the middle of that, like, and I just so a good. long sip of Fresca, you know, and it's just like, whatever, you know, and sometimes it's a defense mechanism, but, um, but a lot of the times it's just something that, you know, you have to yeah. use it as a very, it's a superpower. I mean, humor yeah. is a superpower. And self-awareness too. I mean, I want to, I want to shift into the self-talk stuff because I know that you're, you're a big advocate for it. You have a tremendous amount of knowledge in, in the space. But before that, I want to share my, my biggest flop. Okay. Do it. Here we go. <clears throat> I'm like crazy confident. I'm like a, a business banker, scale back maybe 10 years or so. Right. I am about one year or two in my, in my role and I'm just closing deals left and right. So like I, I'm, I'm on an emotional high. And this customer applies for a loan. <clears throat> and typically this loan takes about like 30 days to close. Right. But I ended up closing it in three. Like I got it approved, ready to go. And I'm ready to call to, to tell the good news. And I go to this client. I go, hey, sir, I just want to let you know. Um, you can call me Jesus Christ because I just performed a miracle. And <laughs> it was like crickets. I had never inserted humor ever in our conversation, but I was just so like, it doesn't matter what I say. This is great. And it was just like crickets. And I'm immediately like panicking, like, oh, crap. Uh, okay. So the closing date's going to be blah, 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 blah. And I just like totally just, I'm not doing that again. And I was, it was just like a learning, like timing is important. Context is important. I had not established any rapport or like any sense of like comedic, like, hey, we're on this. And it's a serious, like major transaction. It was just like a stupid ass thing that I just did. That's it was awesome. So funny. I can just I, I picture like a, after. I can picture like a priest on the other side with the collar, just like. Uh. Well, well, it turns out I call my brother later and I go and I go, hey Hector, I did this thing. I mean, wouldn't you laugh? And he's just like, uh, yeah, but like, what's the context? I go, well, this guy, that, 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 and then he's like, what's the guy's last name? Oh and no, out, the guy's Jewish. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> And I'm like, oh yeah, and he probably sense. wasn't. He probably wasn't offended. He was just like, probably just more of like, look, man, yeah, wrong, like off. wrong room, <laughs> wrong room, throwing off altogether. But I just, but I just love that. That's just so funny to me now. Like I could just go back and laugh at it. But also, it's a learning <laughs> of you know, you gotta know when to draw the line, know your audience, right. um, and you don't have to use it. And, and it was more like a self defense mechanism, like what you say sometimes. For those of us who like being funny or like we find funny as a validation to self, but is it serving the moment, right? Exactly, or is it serving right. yourself? Yep. Um, you mind if I shift to, to yeah. towards self-talk? And yeah. I know that we're, you're working on some stuff around mm -hmm. and you, you do coach folks around the fact like how important self-talk is. So I was wondering if you could just open up a little bit about like what got you into that conversation and um, why are you so passionate about it? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I mean, so my my journey into self-talk was kind of accidental. I, I really was focusing on more influential conversations, which turned into more effective communication. And that was really just to increase sales and, and maybe be, you know, better husband, father, friend, that type of stuff. And what ended up happening is because I immersed myself so much in this new kind of communication framework of exactly what to say, I just realized that I was saying it so much that it just, it's like... Um, it's like the the when the superhero gets bit by a spider and they don't know it and they're in the lab, you know, and like a spider gets out and they get bit and all of a sudden like, oh, like I this is happening to me now. It's like that's kind of felt like how I felt with exactly what to say. It was almost like I'm in this 
lab of trying to figure out where this material works. And all of a sudden I realize I've been having conversations with myself that are curious and empathetic and, you know, they're, they're based on the idea of finding out evidence and truths. And, and all of a sudden it was like my whole mind shifted into this positive, hopeful, optimistic, you know, not tearing myself down, getting out of feedback loops. I mean, I got rid of anxiety, which is weird, right? I mean, to talk about like I'd had social anxiety for a long time. I uh, tried CBD for a little bit, those types of things, you know, breathing exercises, but it just turned out I needed to talk to myself better. Um, and so that, that cued a deep dive into the world of mindfulness and um, self-talk. And, and so that really got me into like, what's more of the science behind this and what's the process and how can this be replicated for other people to use? And so that's currently what I'm working on. I'm looking forward to unveiling that kind of um, how that looks and what that can be for, for other people to use as a tool. So, yeah, it's brilliant. And look, there's two of us guys talking on a podcast and we're men, right? And I think right. one of the biggest things too, coming from a, a male point of view, maybe depending on who's upbringing and background, but like vulnerability amongst men is, is sort of like a stigma or something, or, you yeah. know, like talk, talk therapy or self-talk or like mindfulness and it's just so important to to be advocates towards like this group as well as just like we, we need to be vulnerable because I, I see vulnerability more as a superpower than I do see it as a weakness. And right. part of that is in the self-talk dialogue, right? Like if I, I, too, went through a similar journey as you did, you know, especially like pandemic. And then like after that, there, I'm sure many people have had to deal with these major changes, these major traumatic events that that created all of these new environments and dynamics and you know we talk about communications training and teaching people how to talk outward right but what's it's so important that you we got to get the the inward talk uh well well configured before we can go teach others how to uh connect with each other you need to connect with your inner self so yeah. i think it's great work man and it's so vital and necessary in today's world I, th I think it's, I mean, I, you know, I love seeing it work for a lot of different people. I mean, it works for my daughter. It's worked for my wife. It's worked for my clients. It's worked for some friends of mine. I always get a phone call after a couple of my, one or, one or two of my keynotes, you know, where it's all of a sudden like, hey, I've got a buddy that, you know, needs some help. And would you, you know, it's like, it's not therapy. It's really just kind of starting question tracks for people when they, you know, a lot of guys would say, well, I don't care what other people think. And it's like, okay, well. Why don't you care? You know, and could it be possible that you shouldn't care even further about this, this, and this? And like getting into this mindset of like, like take what your strength is, right? If you don't care what other people think, then like own it and then start talking about what are the things that you do care about, which is your own feelings, your own mindset, the things that make you happy. And, you know, I think it, I think it's a helpful tool for for guys because I think a lot of the times we're not wired to have conversations with other people about our feelings, but we're really good at talking to ourselves. You know, whether it's watching sports or, you know, whatever, like we yell at ourselves all the time. No one's listening. So it's like you might as well have some effective conversations. And um, yeah, I mean, it's worked wonders for me. And, I, I, you know, and thankfully, I've seen it work really, really well for some people that are close to me. And and then it's a byproduct of working with some of my clients and the people that see my speeches that they come aside and they say, hey, listen, you know, I, I need to have this conversation with my wife and I'm having a hard time. And I, and I just throw it back to them and say, like, when was the last time you had that conversation with yourself? I mean, when was the last time you asked yourself those questions? I mean, don't sell yourself short. Put yourself in the same 
position that they're in, you know? So yeah, it's, it's been, yeah. it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing to do because you can see the immediate, immediate effects on people. And what's rewarding is not your ability to get up on stage and deliver a keynote speech, not the ability to land all these clients, not, you know, all of these extra opportunities that you get, but it's when they come to you, they pull you aside or they send you a text message or they send you an email and they tell you their story of like the impact that it had on them. Like that's yep. the most rewarding part of it of like why you want to wake up tomorrow and the yep. next day to continue that, that mission and that work. Yep. Why not transition sort of blend in back into your humor and self-talk. So like there might be a lot of people out there that might be tuning into this and say, well, I'm not funny. Like, so how the heck can I use humor in my conversation? So like, I right. guess for someone who might consider themselves as not funny, well, the first right. thing is, right? Like the self-talk, like you're convincing yourself you're not. You, right. you actually might be funny or there might be some funny things about you. I think everyone has the ability to be funny in one way, shape or form. Yep. But what's a good place to start for them to get comfortable into using humor? I think, I mean, if you want to be comfortable in using humor, be comfortable with yourself, right? I mean, like my wife, uh, when I met my wife, I mean, I've met thousands of comedians in my life. Uh, my wife is this kind of quiet Louisiana Italian girl. And uh, she's one of the funniest people I know because she's so, she's so true to her personality. So like when she makes an observation, it's unique. It's unique to herself. And so what I usually tell people is like, if you're going to get into the idea of introducing humor as part of your you know, your professional persona or your new or your personal, you know, uh, remodel or however you want to look at it is focus on what's unique to you. Right. I mean, like it's the Seinfeld has covered a lot of the bases about airplane food and, and stuff like that. You don't need to worry about that. Right. So focus on what are the things that you have experienced, what you've done, what you've seen, the, those kinds of unique experiences are the things that you have unique takes on. And, and if you stick to that, then you'll be able to be, you know, have that kind of like single voice and it's going to come across as you're comfortable and confident with yourself. And really that's what half of humor is, right? One of my favorite comedians of all time is Steve Martin. Steve Martin is the most confident performer in the history. I mean, like you give me anybody, Michael Jackson, Celine Dion, I don't care who it is. Steve Martin is the most confident performer of all time. And the reason why is because he used to sell out Madison Square Garden he used to walk up to a microphone with Madison Square Garden sold out three nights in a row, right? And he would tune a banjo for 90 seconds. Wow. So sold out Madison Square Garden. And then when he was done tuning it, he would just drop it to the ground and start talking. Like the banjo had nothing to do with anything he was going to do. <laughs> but the fact that he just knew that if he just stuck, if it was 80 seconds, not funny. 70 seconds, not funny. 90 seconds on the dot, drops the banjo. That's funny. And it was, but it was solely him. But the other side of it, it's not a coincidence, is that Steve Martin, when he decided he was done with stand up, he just left. And then he started writing books. He started acting a little, you know, he did a little bit more acting. He started writing screenplays. And then he just hangs out with his golden retriever, right? And then it's just like he does what he wants because he's confident. And I think that's, that's the number one thing that I tell people is just like, look, if you're just comfortable and confident with yourself and your personality, then your natural humor will come through. Everyone's naturally funny for their own personality. And so it's just be, just trust that as your tool. Yeah, certainly, man. <clears throat> you know, for you and I who have grown up in a environment that has given us at least the confidence to, to be, be able to laugh at ourselves <laughs> and then just, you know, observe things and point them out. 
but then also do something else with it to explore like that funny bone of ours. And right. I know that you, like me, you've probably sh learned some key lessons from going through the experience of learning how to do stand up and learning how to do improv. Could there be one or two things that you took, you've taken from there that's helped you for your professional life or just life in, in general? Yeah, I would say if I could go back to Kevin, improv Kevin in college and right out of college, I would I would try to beat home the idea that it's not about me, right? And I think improv is always about making the other people on stage look funnier than you were. And I was really good at that. But the problem for me is that I didn't realize how important it was for that feeling to go on and off stage. And so I think when you when you understand that like this is a continuous performance and how you make other people feel both about themselves and in group settings is, is the most important thing that you can do. And improv is a great way for you to learn to, to do that right through corporate, you know, exercises and trainings and stuff. What you want to learn in improv is not that Fred and accounting's funny. It's that as a team in a conversation and a cacophony of noise that, we can get certain people to stand out that might not have stood out before. And we can support people in a way that develops a trust that's unlike any trust that you've ever had before. And I think from a stand, from a standup standpoint, it's, um, it's gigs. Just, just understand you're going to bomb. If you do 10 shows, I mean, I used to tell this people all the time, like, and some comedians that listen might, might say no, but they're just lying. But, um, you do 10 shows, like there's a really good chance you're going to bomb one of them, like that's more than likely two of them, probably three of them, you know, it's like, it's, it might happen. Right. So like you're understanding that you're just, the only way to do that though, is you have to do all 10 shows, right? You can't do three and bomb three in a row. And like, well, I'm not doing the fourth one. It's like, I get stoked. I remember I did stand up at a Chinese restaurant once for like $150. And these people, there was an aquarium behind me. And I realized I, I was bombing in the moment when people's eyes started tracking the fish behind me, you know, I'm like mid World War II joke, which was kind of my shtick at the time. And uh, I was just like, oh, man, like nobody cares about this, this humor of just like this perfectly interlaced World War II diplomacy humor. And uh, they're just looking at the blue tang behind me going like, is that can we get a blue tang like Dory? Um, but and so, yeah, so I just realized, you know what? I just took my check and then drove to my next gig, which was probably an hour later on the other side of town. And just, you just move on to the next one, take what you can learn from it and just move on to the next one. You roll with the punches and just keep going. And, um, <clears throat> there's so many, I mean, there's so many quotes and, and things that remind me of this idea of like, you know, life is just like time. It just keeps going. And yep. there's another one where I don't know if you're a Ted Lasso fan where oh, it yeah. talks about like, if you're playing the game, win, lose or tie, the idea is just to keep playing yep. right? regardless of the outcome just keep yeah. playing and i think it builds you know your point of doing the stand-up it's like you deal with the with the bombs yeah it kind of goes back with the rejection right it's like how do you build rejection immunity well you can only do that by putting in the reps right? if you don't just keep trying different ways to approach a conversation you know especially if we bring it back to sales like, right like you gotta approach negotiation approach objections approach that client who ghosted you and in, in proposal and you're trying to relive revive the ghost right uh, whatever it, whatever situation or moment you're in like the idea is just you keep going you keep putting in the reps and if take the rejection as a lesson or as a learning opportunity to like how to adjust for the next uh, opportunity yeah so i think that's I, my takeaway from what you shared 
And I would and I would say like the the idea of immunity is there as long as you qualify it. Rejection of immunity is there as long as you qualify it with you recognize process and reconcile the rejection, right? Know what happened, how it happened, regardless if you could control it or not, so that you can at least own like what happened, right? If somebody ghosts you in an email after a, a proposal, like and you, hey, look, I sent three emails. They've ghosted me. But the next time you run into them, if you didn't process that right, there's no way that you're going to land that next conversation, especially when they tell you, like, oh, sorry, my son got hit by a car and I couldn't get back to you, which is literally what happened with me with a client who I thought was ghosting me. But she literally was just like, I mean, my son got hit by a car. I'm like, dude. Yep. Why are you even talking to me right now? Like, you know, like what's, you know, of course, but if I had held on to that angst and that like resentment and been like, why isn't she responding? Why isn't she responding? It's like the next time I saw her and I didn't make it about the follow up, you know, and months later we ended up working together. But it's like you just have to you have to you have to move on from that in a healthy way in order for you to be immune from the rejection. And don't lean into judgment. Hundred percent. Right? Like someone yep. ghosted you, like they're bad people, or they yeah. don't, they don't value your time. So you go immediately into those negative things. Where it's like, if you stayed curious long enough, or at least give them the grace or the benefit of the doubt, you realize they're human, just like you. And something happened that was, you know, a very bad thing. And right. Well, which allows you to then practice being compassionate and then just being patient to know that yeah, there are other things happening. Or they, or they just didn't want to work with you, which is also okay, right? Is it's also like, hey, we're not a fit, okay. you know. So, yeah, but it also gives you that sense of like clarity of, as to what to do next, right? Yep. Like not keep it lingering. And so there are some methods. And what I love about the, you know, plugging back the exactly what to say, it's like there's some efficient ways that you can communicate so that you don't have to live in that world of rejection, self doubt, and self talk that could go to a downward spiral outcome, right? Um, so that's great, man. Hey, thanks for hanging out for, for, yeah. for with me for this time, Kevin. I wanted to ask a couple of things. You know, firstly, what what is on the roadmap for you? Like, what should people expect to see from you for those who connect with you after our, our episode? Well, so uh, I'm excited for the next ex- next year. I'm I'm looking to impact a lot of people in all different walks of life, all different industries through keynotes and trainings and um, webinars and wonderful opportunities like this. And so. Uh, you know, I, people will be able to follow me on social and see all the wonderful things we're doing and um, leveling up a lot of the things that I'm trying to teach people. So I'm, I'm excited about that. That's great, man. And I'm excited I get to join you in yeah. part of that journey, you know, oh, being yeah. part of the, the, the community here. And so how can people get in touch with you and work with you? Yeah, so it's pretty simple. It's just go to kevinmichaelboyle.com. You can see that's the website and then on Instagram uh, is usually where I'm at. It's at, uh, at Kevin M as in Michael Boyle. And, uh, yeah, that's usually where I'm at and try to try to get in touch with people. And I just got, uh, just a random email from a speaker that I worked with just recently saying they wanted me to do a lunch, uh, for their, for their organization. And I think going back to your comment earlier is that, you know, you're doing it for the people, you're doing it for the impact. And so she told me that would be 75 community leaders, regional economic developers and stuff like that. And I'm just like, wow, all I can think of is 75 people, man. It's just like, it's exciting to get 75 people in front of me and and be able to hopefully impact them in a positive way and in all different aspects of their life. I'm confident you will, man. (laughs) Just make sure you make them laugh. I will. I'll try to. Absolutely. (laughs) 
All right, Kevin. Well, thanks for joining so much, man. And looking forward to hearing more from you and working more with you and uh, wishing you happy holidays. Thanks, Carlos. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. Good to see you, brother. Thanks, everyone. Until next time.